You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Deuteronomy chapter 3. Verses 1 through 11, Remembrance of the Defeat of Og, King of Bashan. Moses continues to remind this conquest generation about to enter Canaan of the early victories God gave their parents and grandparents while still on the east side of the Jordan. Because the west side of the Jordan would still need to be conquered by them, he wanted to encourage them that God would also give them victory. No foe was too strong for them since God was with them. He says, Next we turned and went up along the road toward Bashan, and Og, king of Bashan, with his whole army, marched out to meet us in battle at Edre. The Lord said to me, Do not be afraid of him, for I have delivered him into your hands, along with his whole army and his land. Do to him what you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon. So the Lord our God also gave into our hands Og, king of Bashan, and all his army. We struck them down, leaving no survivors. At that time we took all his cities. There was not one of the sixty cities that we did not take from them. The whole region of Argob, Og's kingdom in Bashan. All these cities were fortified with high walls and with gates and bars, and there were also a great many unwalled villages. We completely destroyed them, as we had done with Sihon king of Heshbon, destroying every city, men, women, and children. But all the livestock and the plunder from their cities we carried off for ourselves. This second king, Og, did not learn from the punishment and defeat of Sihon, but hardened his heart and was defeated in the same manner. They captured sixty cities, some fortified with walls, some not. Both, uh, They did as God had commanded and dis- completely destroyed all the people. Both Og, king of Bashan, and Sihon, king of the Amorites, were both considered kings of Amorite territory, from the Arnon River in the south as far as Mount Hermon in the north. Then he says, Hermon is called Sirion by the Sidonians, and the Amorites call it Sinir. This is a helpful historical note for future reference. Then he says that Og was the last of the giants. This would encourage them that even giants could be defeated, because it was fear of them that held back their parents from taking the land forty years earlier. And to give a sense of his size, he mentions that Og's bed was made of iron and was more than nine cubits long and four cubits wide. That's thirteen and a half by six feet. Then he said they could still see it, as it was in Rabbah of the Ammonites. And this is modern-day Ammon in Jordan. Verses 12 to 17, Division of the Land These cities east of the Jordan were allotted to the Transjordanic tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, but mostly to Manasseh. One descendant of Manasseh, Jair, took a large region, so the place is called the Cities of Jair. He then described the borders of the land given to the tribes of Reuben and Gad, from the Sea of Galilee in the north to the Dead Sea in the south, the Jordan River on the western border, and the Ammonite territory on the east at the Jabbok River. Verses 18 through 20, Instructions to those tribes. While the two and a half tribes on the east were allowed to take possession of the land and to leave their wives, children, and much livestock, 
in the fortified cities, all their able-bodied men must cross over ahead of the other Israelites. They had to assist their brothers in conquering the land before they could return to their inheritance in the east. He described it as, When the Lord gives rest to your fellow Israelites as he has to you. Rest was freedom from war and threat and oppression, and this would happen when the conquest was complete. Verses 21 through 22. Don't be afraid. Moses shares what he told Joshua at that time. You have seen with your own eyes all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. The Lord will do the same to all the kingdoms over there where you are going. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. Although they were young at the time of those earlier battles, they know that these were real victories that they witnessed, and this should encourage them for the future. They didn't need to fear because God himself would fight for them. Verses 23 to 29, Moses forbidden to cross the Jordan. Because of the victories in the east, Moses made one final passionate plea to be allowed to enter Canaan. Sovereign Lord, you have begun to show to your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do the deeds and mighty works you do? Let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country, and Lebanon. Moses was not attempting to flatter God into granting his request, but acknowledged that he was gracious. David would appeal to God in the same way for his sick newborn son, even though God had already told him that the child would die. We can always pray because we do not know if God will change his plan for us, but we must not be presumptuous. An example of this was King Hezekiah, who was told to prepare to die, but after he prayed, God granted him another fifteen years. Another was the king of Nineveh, who repented at the preaching of Jonah and said, But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. But there are also times when we need to stop asking for things that will not be granted to us. We see this in John 21, 20-22, and in Acts 1, 6 and 7. And Moses here says, But because of you the Lord was angry with me and would not listen to me. That is enough, the Lord said. Do not speak to me any more about this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah and look west and north and south and east. Look at the land with your own eyes, since you are not going to cross this Jordan. But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you will see. So we stayed in the valley near Beth Peor. Psalm 106, 32 and 33 says, by the waters of Meribah they angered the Lord, and trouble came to Moses because of them, for they rebelled against the Spirit of God, and rash words came from Moses' lips. So this recalls the time when Moses was supposed to speak to the rock to get water from it, but in anger he struck it instead. Their rebellion led to his anger, so he was punished for their sin and his own. The holiness of God could not be compromised, so he had to be judged. And this was recorded in Numbers 20, 1-13, to 
and he would remind them of it again in Deuteronomy 4, 21 and 22. God would not change his mind. But Moses was given the privilege of viewing the good land God would give them, led by Joshua. Moses' final job was to commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him to lead the people into their inheritance. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? God gave their ancestors victory over giants and strong kingdoms. God may lead us into difficulties, but they can be overcome with God's help. Moses began to allocate the land, but the tribes on the east side of the Jordan were not allowed to take their ease while battles remained to be fought and enemies remained to be conquered. They were to assist their brethren. Likewise, we are not to use whatever blessings God has given us for our own advantage, but we must consider the needs of the wider community of believers. When we are at rest spiritually, we should desire this same rest for others. This chapter highlights the responsibilities of leaders not to misrepresent God, as we see in God upholding the sentence on Moses that he cannot enter the promised land, regardless of his pleading. Teachers will receive a stricter judgment, so we should remember to pray for them. God's answer to Moses' request was a mixture of mercy and judgment. His request was not granted, but he was granted grace to view the land, and then he would be taken to heaven where he would see God's glory in its fullness. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses would be in the Promised Land. God sometimes says no to our prayers, but it is always for our good and his glory. Moses reminded the new generation of their parents' sin and how it affected him and themselves because they had to wander in the wilderness too. Our sins affect others as well. Moses' final task was to commission, encourage, and strengthen Joshua for his task. Older believers must do the same for younger believers. Moses would be content that God's work would be carried on by others, since that was his desire. And we should be comforted to know that after we are gone, others will carry on the work. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion Series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Deuteronomy chapter 4. May God bless the study of his word.